This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. How's everybody doing? Why, Benson? Your whole arm? That's not good. That's not good. What happened? What happened? Well, I know that. The cast is evident. What did you do? Oh, okay. That's not good, man. Not good. How's everybody else doing tonight? Good. Good deal. Good deal. Um, let's see. Who's all in? Colin. And Riley both got baptized this morning, so give them a hand right now. Pretty awesome stuff. TiVo, TiVo baptized them. I stood there and looked awkward right next to him. So, yeah. I just have to have my face up there. Yeah. I'm conceited. I wasn't going to let him do it alone. Yeah. So, so we're going to move into week two of our Family Matters series today. Um, it's a little bit different than last week. Last week we talked more about loving our families and how can we love our families better. Today we're kind of going to dive in deeper to some family issues, um, things that go down in family that makes it hard. Um, so before we get started, I'm telling a small story about a time whenever I, the first time I realized that my family like wasn't perfect and that my family was actually not always the best. And this is a weird example, but I can remember this, this very first time that I went to one of my buddy's houses in middle school, and it, I felt completely different about my family after I had left. And the reason being is this is like the first time I had seen somebody's family who kind of behaved different than mine. And to start it all off, his mom actually made us cookies whenever we came over, which is very, it was weird to me. And I didn't really like it, but it was also kind of cool because whose mom just makes cookies for no reason? And But we sat down at the table, and we ate cookies, and she was asking her son questions. She was asking me questions. She asked his sister questions. It was like this little family thing after school that I guess they always did, which was completely, like, weird to me and alien because my family didn't, they didn't do that kind of stuff. I felt like maybe my family isn't as close as this one. I started to have these thoughts of, I don't necessarily like this whole sitting down at the table thing, but does that mean my family is lacking in closeness and in relationship? And the weirdest part of it all to me personally was that his siblings, his mom, they were all sitting there and they got along. Like they just, 
it was so easy for them to talk to each other. They didn't argue. There wasn't things brought up to make somebody else mad. And they just acted like they enjoyed being around each other. And it's not to say that my family hated each other because they didn't. But there was very rarely a time that there wasn't arguments going on, that there wasn't fighting, that there wasn't some kind of clashing of personalities and ideas. And it was just constant arguments. And we hardly ever, if ever, actually sat down in the room together and talked, like as a family. So seeing somebody else's family do this, it was completely weird to me. And it was one of the first times that I remember thinking, okay, so not every family is like mine. And maybe mine isn't perfect after all. And a lot of times as young kids, we kind of like we see our parents as perfect. We see them as superheroes. You look up to your parents. And we just see our families as being something that's completely great. But then eventually sometime down the line, something happens that kind of changes this way of thinking, right? It's a moment that makes us realize that our family, it isn't perfect. Or it's a moment that makes you realize maybe my family is broken. And some of you may have realized this a really long time ago. Like this isn't new to you. It was way back. Some of your earliest memories of your family involve pain and sadness. Because when you think of family, that's what you relate to it. And some of you, this may be a new realization when you think about family or whenever you think about your family. Maybe it was in middle school or maybe just now in high school, you're realizing your family's imperfections and you can, you're, all of a sudden this dysfunction, you can see it clearly now. My family's imperfection became even more evident to me after my grandmother had passed away. It was like a bombshell in our family. It was my mother's mom and she became really depressed after this. She hardly ever came out of her room. A lot of things didn't get done anymore around the house. It was, a, it was sad. And my dad, because of this, he became angry and anxious and worried all the time because he's worried about her, but he also felt like there was a lot on his shoulders. And my brother left. He decided at 18 that he was going to go into the Air Force, and it was very sudden. Nobody knew that that was going to happen. And, but he was tired of being in a house that felt sad all the time, and he was going to make something for himself. And my sister became really confused and felt kind of lost in the shuffle because she was young and she was just in high school and she didn't realize that there was so much brokenness in a family that seemingly from the outside looks perfect. So this idea of a whole and an unbroken family, it just didn't feel the same anymore. Um, we were all together, but you couldn't walk into a room without feeling the tension without feeling the unhappiness or the brokenness that was in everyone that, in the air. And I think every single one of us could probably go around this room and you could tell your own version, your own story of what dysfunction looks like in a family. We all have some type of story that you can tell about a dysfunctional family. Because I think in one way or another, every family is fractured. Maybe your family lives in constant tension. You guys aren't going around like slamming doors and yelling at each other all the time. It's not chaos, but you constantly feel this anxiety. You feel it when your parents talk about money or when they talk about their jobs. You feel it when you're around your siblings. It's just tension. 
You feel it when certain subjects are brought up that aren't supposed to cause arguments, that shouldn't cause conflict, but somehow they always do. And to be honest, being at home has become a really stressful place to be. And that is, it just feels wrong. Or maybe for some of you, you've discovered that your family lives with secrets. What you thought you knew about them isn't necessarily true. You never really saw it whenever you were younger. You just saw your family as this perfect image. But now you've maybe discovered things that you wish you never did about your family. And now because of those secrets, you're left wondering every day if you can ever trust them again. And for a lot of you, your family has experienced some type of fracture. Maybe it was a divorce between your parents. You keep thinking that once you guys make it through all of this drama that's going on right now, that it's all going to be good. It'll just, it'll be good. But it's not. And you can't seem to find your new normal. And now you're just left wondering if these family relationships are even worth it. Because if someone can just get up and go, what's the point? So regardless of whatever your particular story is, I know we all have one. It's unique to who you are. I think it's important for us to know that every family is, is fractured. There's, there's truly no pain like family pain. I mean, it, it hurts bad. It hurts worse than any other pain that you can experience most of the time. And part of it is because is we all know that family should be better. Like we have this feeling that it should be better than this. It's family after all, right? Like we should be able to be full of happiness and joy and forgiveness in our families. So just take a, take a second right now and just think to yourself, like what does your ideal family look like? In your own head, think of what you view as an ideal family. And most of us, we have this idea in our head already. We know what we see as a perfect family. And we've, we've thought of this family that we wish we had, but we don't actually have this ideal family. We have, we, what we have is we have our real family. And sometimes the difference between our ideal family and our real family, it can cause a lot of pain in our lives sometimes. And usually... Whenever this pain happens, we respond in two ways. We either count our family out, completely count them out for who they are, or we count ourselves out. The tension, the secrets, all the fractures, they're now what stand out to us when we think of our family. That's, whenever you think family, that's what defines them now. You're not seeing them as the people they are or as the family that you guys are. You just see the pain, the tension, the secrets, the fractures. Maybe you count your family out because your parents decided that they were going to get divorced and you felt like they lost your, their authority in your life. So you don't listen to them anymore. You don't respect them. You've count, you count them out now because they got divorced, so I'm not going to respect them anymore. Or you've decided that one of your step-parents is not a good role model, so you just don't listen to them. Completely count them out because you don't respect who they are. Or you decided to shut out one of your siblings because they breached your trust. You completely count out your brother or your sister because you don't know if you can trust them anymore. Whatever the reason may be for you, I think oftentimes we use our family's mistakes as ways to 
make an excuse or a reason not to listen to them anymore or to let them into our lives. So we use that mistake and we say, no, I don't respect you anymore because you made this mistake, so I count you out. Or on the flip side of this, we count ourselves out. We just give up on our families. We decide it's not worth it anymore. We isolate ourselves from them. We stay in our rooms when we're home. This is something that not everybody does, but I think a lot of times we do fall into this trap of, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to sit in my room. I'm done with my dad not showing up anymore. I'm done with my mom nagging me. My family, they all feel like they're just a bunch of hypocrites. So I'm done. I'm just going to count down the days until I no longer have to live here anymore. Until I'm out of here and I never have to come back. I think I fell victim to this whenever I was in high school because I saw so much sadness in my house that I oftentimes would just want to come home and just sit in my room and not deal with them anymore because I got tired of hearing the arguments or I got tired of seeing people being sad. It's really easy to do, to count yourself out and say, I'm not going to deal with it anymore. It's too hard. And I think all of us have probably felt the pull of wanting to pull away from our families at times. And even though deep down we probably know, like, this isn't the best idea, but you're thinking to yourself, like, what's the alternative? What else am I supposed to do in this situation? And even more than that, shouldn't it be our parents that are trying to fix it and make it better and not me? So I think, I think there is one thing and there's one idea that we can talk about tonight and consider that could change the way that you see your family forever. And the truth is, and I think the good news is, is that God has been dealing with fractured families for a really, really long time. Like, he has a long history of dealing with families that have issues. There are a lot of them that are recorded in the Bible, and never once has God written them off. God never wrote somebody off because of the family that they come from. One of the most famous people in the Bible was named Abraham. And God promised that through Abraham's family and through his family line, there was going to be a savior of the world born named Jesus. He'd be born one day. But before Jesus could be, could be born and this new nation could be made, this great nation could be born, Abraham had to have one kid. And he had a son named Isaac who grew up and later had two sons of his own. And those two sons were named Jacob and Esau. And this is kind of where the family dysfunction begins between Isaac and Jacob and Esau. So Jacob and Esau, they couldn't have been any more different. Like they were polar opposites when it came to brothers. Esau was, he was the older brother. He was a hunter. He was a warrior. He was a man of action. Jacob, on the other hand, he was more of like an artist. He was the artistic type. He liked to cook. He was also a bit of a liar and a con artist. And so the stage was set for this dysfunction in the family. As the oldest brother, Esau was guaranteed to inherit what they called a birthright. And according to the customs of this time, birthrights were super, super important. It gave special privileges to the oldest. It gave it to them, and it would be things that the other children wouldn't be able to get. So, what Esau would get from this birthright 
is he would receive double the amount of money that would be inherited. He'd become the leader of the entire family once his father passed away. And maybe the biggest deal of it all was that he would receive a blessing from his father, which meant that he would be blessed by God. So needless to say, during this time, birthrights were a really, really big deal. It wasn't just something that was thrown around. It mattered. So one day, Esau was out hunting, and when he arrived home, he was super hungry. So think of it like a, you had a long day of work. You just worked a 10, 12-hour shift, or you just had a doubleheader today, and you come home, and you're just starving. That's where he's at. And he comes home, and he smells Jacob cooking. And he asks, he asks his little brother for a bowl of stew, whatever he was cooking. And that's when things start to kind of go sideways, and the, the dysfunction really comes out between these two brothers. And in Genesis chapter 25, it says this. It says, the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So Jacob's a mama's boy. And once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and got up and left. And Esau despised his birthright. So this is not classic brother-sibling um, rivalry that you may necessarily know. But think of it like this. It's where your brother comes into the room or your sister and they ask you to do something for them, something that only you can do, so they ask for your help, and you tell them they have to do something for you first, and then yes, you'll do it. So this is what's going on, but this time, what he's asking from, what Jacob is asking from Esau is something that's really, really important and not usually something you would just sell away. But the Bible describes this rivalry in kind of ancient times, and, but we see a modern version of it play out in our own lives. So it's just a point that family dysfunction has been a thing for a really, really long time. And then fast forward to whenever Isaac was dying, their father. Jacob, he did in fact end up with the birthright and the blessing that was meant for Esau. And in response, Esau became really angry and bitter. And he decided that his only course of action was that he was just going to kill Jacob. So when Jacob learned this, he ran away from home with no plans to come back. And this, I mean, this is like family drama on the next level. I know we all have dysfunction in our families, but it's usually you don't hate your brother so much that you want to kill him and make him run away. But despite all of that, don't, don't miss this really important part. It's that Jesus actually came from this family. Jesus came from this family with so much dysfunction. God knew their mess, and he saw how fractured they were, but he didn't, he didn't run away from it. He didn't give up on it. He used them anyway. So not only did God use this family, but in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, it records this story of Jacob and Esau thousands of years later as kind of a celebration of faith. 
their story, it's part of this lineage of families that God used to show us what his kingdom is like. And here's what Hebrews 11 says. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And here's what's amazing about this. is that the writer of Hebrews, he's not celebrating the dysfunction of that family. He's not promoting that. He's not using it as a model for us to follow when he's writing. It's full of lying, deceit, and threats of violence. That's not his point. They're mentioned to draw attention to who God is and what he's capable of. It's a God who can take any dysfunction from any family, and he can bring good out of it. There's no family story that can't be rewritten. There's no family situation that God can't ultimately use for good and for, like, incredible purposes. From God's perspective, there's no family that you can count out, and there's no person in family that you can count out. God's never done. The story of Jacob and Esau tells us that even in our worst moments, that our family story, it's not over yet. Even when we can't see it right now and you can't see what's going to happen, we can trust that God has a plan even in the toughest of times. We can trust that through faith, God will allow good to come out of any situation that we may encounter. And I think for some of us in the room, it's really, really difficult to see this. It's super difficult to believe that God isn't done with our family. I mean, our fa- my family fights all the time. My family got divorced. My siblings leave. We lie to each other. God has to be done with us, right? Like My family's awful. But I think if we believe that God can never be done with our family, that it's a game changer. It doesn't mean that things are never going to be difficult, or they won't be difficult. But knowing that God can redeem even the most dysfunctional of families might help change your perspective. You never know what God has in store for you. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what God has in store for your parents or your siblings or your entire family. In fact, if you think of it this way, believing that God can use a fractured family could actually be one of your greatest acts of faith. And know this, it's really important, is that your family matters even when it's fractured. Your family matters, and it matters to God even when it's fractured. And this is the truth. Everybody that lives at your house is a fractured person. We're all fractured in some way. It's a sad reality that we have to recognize. We're all fractured people who come together to make a fractured family. But when they mess up, don't write them off. Don't treat them like it's the end of their story. Because God is always working even when we can't see it. So when your stepdad or your dad never shows up to your games or shows up to whatever event you're in, don't write him off forever. When your mom loses her temper and screams at you and you feel like it's unwarranted, don't write her off forever. When your siblings breach your trust or they lie to you, don't write them off forever. And don't count yourself out either. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's going to happen next. So don't check out and give up on your family forever. When the chaos that's in your family, it feels like it's too much. 
don't isolate yourself. When the arguing feels like it's constant, you can't get away from it, don't run away. And obviously, in me saying that, if you need to take a step away to keep yourself safe, then yes, do it. I'm not saying that in a dangerous situation or situation that's hurting you physically or mentally that you have to stay. But there are times, you know, there's times that you're going to need to take a breather and to step away. But actually what I'm getting at is there's a really, really big difference between dangerous and annoying. There's going to be times that you'll, be uh, you'll just be tempted to ignore them or to walk away. There'll be times that you just want to isolate when you're not in danger. You're just aggravated or you're annoyed. In those moments, I challenge you, and I challenge you to challenge yourself to hang in there and to keep talking and to stay in that room, to act like the people in that room actually matter to you because you know deep down they do. And if you count yourself out, you're going to miss out on being a part of the incredible story that God is writing for your family. And band, you can make your way back on up, or I guess John. No, he can't. He's not. He's done, isn't he? Huh. I didn't want to hear him sing anymore anyways. Just kidding, John, you're awesome. Where'd he go? Ha <laughs> ha! Embarrassing. So lastly, um, redeeming and fixing broken things is what God is best at. He takes dysfunction and he uses it for good. Even though a broken family is never actually in God's plan, like he doesn't want your family to be broken, taking something broken and pulling something good out of them is what God specializes in. And I think the biggest thing to take away from all of this it isn't that your family is perfect or ever will be perfect. It's not that things were going to become perfect the moment you walk out these doors. But it's just to have faith that God does have a plan. Have faith in what God is capable of doing in your lives and in your family. What if we, we all decided that we were going to go home tonight and we're going to treat our families as if they actually matter? Even when they're driving us completely insane, even when it feels like they're hurting you purposefully, even when it feels so fractured and so broken from what it once was. What would change in our lives if we quit thinking of all of our family's mistakes first? What if we just decided that we're going to see them as people? We're going to see them for who they are, and we're going to love them deeply. What if we started believing that God actually can work through our greatest dysfunctions? Believing that God is capable of making change happen. Even when we can't see it. Even when it feels like it's never going to come. Believing that God has a plan and he's not going to let us down. What if we believe that our families are never too broken for God? And no matter where we come from, God can and he will use us for good if we let him. And I know it sounds or it feels impossible. But I just ask tonight to just remember and know that God hasn't given up on your family. 
He's not going to give up on your family, and neither should you. Your family matters to God, even though it's fractured. Fractured today doesn't mean it's broken forever. Nothing is too big for God to handle. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for these people in this room. I thank you for Cornerstone and for Tribe. I thank you for a family here that I get to spend time with every week. I just pray that tonight as we move forward and we go have fun that you'll weigh on our hearts that no matter how fractured we are, how broken the family is, that you can still move. You can still make things happen that we never could have dreamed of, Lord. I just pray for confidence for everyone in this room and for peace, that no matter how broken they feel their family is, that they'll give them a chance and they won't give up, Lord. Please just give us the strength to keep going. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.